Hi. Hello. Uh, Mike isn't here this week. He won't be back until Saturday. And I want to do some, like, E3-specific uh, kind of podcasts. Uh, and so I decided in the meantime, while he isn't here this week, I'll just do a podcast on my own. And I'll call it, like, 32.5 or something. Um, I have no... I've never done this kind of talking by myself thing before, so it could be a complete disaster. Uh, but I guess either way, it'll be entertaining. Uh, so hopefully I'll keep this all together. And unfortunately, I was thinking about it. I might end up repeating a lot of the stuff I talk about uh, on this podcast on in the later podcast that we'll do next week. But... I don't know. There's a lot to talk about coming up to E3, so I just wanted to get a lot of it out of the way right now. And uh, and I thought it would be fun anyway to just do a little podcast in the meantime. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, also, I, I asked for your questions on Twitter. I asked for you to email me some questions, and some people actually did it, and there's some good questions. So I'll get to that later. Uh, first of all, I'll just get to the stuff that I wrote down as as big topics this week for me. Uh, first and most obviously Fallout 4, uh, there was a trailer (laughs) that came out right after, I mean, immediately after, I think the night of our podcast being recorded, uh, the trailer for Fallout 4 was released and God damn, like we, we, we are prophets or uh, I don't know if, I don't know if prophetic would be the right word for it, but we we talked in that podcast about how if Fallout 4 is revealed to have the same engine as Fallout 3, and therefore the same engine as Skyrim, Oblivion, Morrowind, all of Bethesda's games, uh, that it will just be a complete disaster, like, for us, personally, because we're sick of that. We're sick of that, that old engine with all of its horrible jankiness, its terrible animations... Uh, loading screens to get in and out of buildings, which, like, what other game does that? What other open-world game does that these days? Uh, it's it's ridiculous at this point that that they would use... The, the mere thought that they would use the same engine, especially with this much development time between when Skyrim came out and when Fallout 4 is going to come out, it's going to be, what, four or five years? Well, the trailer... If you couldn't tell by the trailer that it's the same engine, then bless your heart. It's very obviously the same engine to me. Uh... It looks, I mean, it doesn't look terrible. It looks, it looks bad. It looks like a last gen game to me, uh, just from the trailer, first impressions. Uh, but, but, I mean, a lot of people pointed out when I mentioned on Twitter that it looked terrible. Like, well, you know, we don't play Fallout for, for the graphics, and you're absolutely right. You don't like, that's not, that's not a priority, and it probably shouldn't be for Bethesda. But, I think it represents their incompetence. <laughs> frankly in 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 how they make games uh that they are still using that same engine and 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 an engine that was never really that great to begin with i mean morrowind had all sorts of problems and then oblivion had all sorts of problems and they never they never got past them it's always they've always had the same kinds of issues with movement and and these loading screen stuff and the games always have always been bad about crashing uh the the since oblivion you've had all these weird facial stuff that just all their faces have always looked terrible uh and beyond the the inherent problems that the engine has is the issue that the rest of the game isn't that great to me i and and objectively i think in a lot of ways like the voice acting i don't think anyone could claim that bethesda games have ever had good voice acting it's it's always been stilted uh they've always had a very small cast for a large range of characters which has sounded completely weird uh, and I, I don't see that getting any better. If, if they're, if they're not willing to update their engine, are they really willing to go the extra mile when it comes to animations and voice acting and world design, all that stuff that they've, that, that they've struggled with recently? Um, I, I just can't see that some, see them doing it because the first thing that I would fix if I was at that company would be the engine. You know, get rid of the bottom floor that's messed up. Get rid of that foundation that's messed up first before you try to build the rest. And and they're not doing it. And the the scary thing about it to me is that I don't think most people will care. And and this is going to sound so... I mean, it is. It is so 
I guess, egocentric to, to think like, well, I don't think this game is going to be good, so you shouldn't think it's good either. And, and you think that Fallout 3 was a good game, but it actually isn't. No, if you enjoyed Fallout 3, fine. Great. Good for you. I'm just telling you you're wrong. Uh, no, I, I just, from a technical standpoint especially, uh, Bethesda games have not been very good. Even Morrowind wasn't very good from a technical standpoint. And I would argue that from an artistic standpoint or an aesthetic perspective, they haven't been very good since Oblivion. Um, I think people are still... I think the reason that people enjoy those games is because they don't have anything to compare them to. Like, no, there's there's really aren't any competitors in that genre. I think The Witcher 3 is the closest thing to a competitor that... Uh, that these Bethesda open world RPGs have. Because, uh, you know, you can't say that things like Dark Souls are, is a competitor, because, like, the priorities of those games, the, the focuses of those games are so different. Um, but, but God, I, I just don't know how someone is going to play Witcher 3 and then play Fallout 4, and if Fallout 4, unless Fallout 4 is magically way different from Fallout 3, which the, all the evidence points to that not being the case, it, unless it's completely different, how could you play The Witcher 3 and then Fallout 4 and think that Fallout 4 is anywhere near that standard? Uh, and this is and, and The Witcher 3 devs, I mean, they're working on a lower, a lower budget, presumably less talent, um, and yet they managed to not only make a an incredible-looking engine, which, you know, I wouldn't expect a Bethesda game, I wouldn't, ex- even if they came out with an entirely new engine and everything, I wouldn't expect it to look as good as The Witcher 3. I mean, The Witcher 3 is not a fair uh <laughs> comparison in that aspect uh but the fact that they made the Witcher 3 look that great and included great voice acting and included great am- animations and the gameplay is better even though the gameplay of Witcher 3 ha- has a ton of problems it still manages to be better than any of Bethesda's games and the world design, in my opinion, is better. It's more interesting. I want to learn more about it. There is more information to learn about it. There's more books. There's more uh, information from NPCs. There's more NPCs in general, and that is not including all the ones that are just walking around who you can't really talk to. Um, I just I think people have always used the scale of Bethesda games as an excuse for their low quality, and that excuse just can't work anymore when you have examples to compare it to that don't even have the same budget anywhere near it, probably. I mean, this is conjecture, but you can assume pretty safely, I think, that a major Bethesda game that sells to a very wide audience is has a much larger budget than some Polish game developer making the third game in their series that, that most people haven't heard of. Um, anyway, I just I don't want to rant about it too much because in the end it's just like, all right, people are going to look forward to it, people are probably going to enjoy it, and nothing I say is going to change that. And I wouldn't want... I honestly would not want someone to stop enjoying those games just because I pointed out what I hate about those games. But I just... I'm so blown away that, that people are willing to ignore that standard of quality just when it become, comes to Bethesda games. Like, they're looking at that trailer. Look at the dog in that trailer. And keep in mind that the, that the trailer is made... And this is the first look that we get at the game. It's around E3 time. So they have to like they they want to deliver with this trailer. They want to blow people away. The the jer- the dog is like jerking around very unnaturally. The lighting is it looks like a last gen game. I mean it just doesn't the dynamic shadows and stuff just don't look good. There's no other way to put it really. Uh the textures are murky. Uh the animations are just like look at the guy running through the town when it goes to like the pre-war shot or whatever of the t- of the little town look at the guy running it's the exact same animation of the fallout 3 characters they haven't even bothered to change that like how did this game take this many years to develop i anyway um i'm probably gonna get a bunch of hate mail or something for this because people are very are very uh defensive of their bethesda games but i just and this is coming from someone whose Mar- marwin was my favorite game of all time anyway I'll, I'll move past that now, because whatever. Fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll probably talk about it a lot more <laughs> next time we... That's next actual podcast we do. But anyway, uh, speaking of The Witcher... God, actually, maybe I should come back to that later. I'm going to come back to that later, because there's a lot to say. And it's not about the game as much as about 
that bullshit these think pieces being written about it that I oh okay so have that to look forward to um there's rumors that Dark Souls 3 is going to be a thing um I would assume probably at E3 since just the timing of like these alleged screenshots being leaked um there's some screenshots of a game that looks like it looks to me like a combination of Demon Souls and Bloodborne in a weird way like just the aesthetic I mean um I don't know. I I what we'll see. It's just a few screenshots. Uh nothing to freak out about in my opinion. N- not yet. Uh I would assume there's going to be a Dark Souls 3, but I would be surprised if it was coming this year. Uh if it's at E3, I would assume it's more like a teaser and then um and then it'll come, you know, holidays next year. Or maybe it'll be one of those weird like early release 2016 games. Anyway, not much to say about that. Uh Metal Gear Solid 5 there's some stuff to say about this. Uh, they gave select people uh, access to the game, to the first portion of the game. I don't know exactly how much time people got to spend with it. I think some people spent a lot more time than others. I think people played up to, uh, up to I think, 10 or 15 hours, I, I, I think, just the beginning of Metal Gear Solid 5. Uh, and, and reports are about what you would expect as far as like gameplay and stuff. Uh, nothing. No, people aren't really talking about much that I haven't heard of, uh, that I haven't seen in other gameplay videos and stuff. It's, you know, it's gonna be, it's gonna be more of the Ground Zeroes gameplay uh, with a meta, uh, a meta game similar to Peace Walker, basically. Uh, which is great. That sounds great, but it's nothing unexpected. Um, what I'm worried about, or actually kind of interested about, is from a story standpoint, uh, apparently Snake has almost no speaking lines in the first portion of this game. Um, I was hearing Jeff Gersman talk about it on uh, the Giant Bombcast. Uh, he said that that in, basically in like none of the cutscenes, uh, Snake didn't say anything, basically. Uh, that, that characters would just talk at him, and it felt really unnatural. And that it was really weird, and that he felt like there was a less of an emphasis on story, uh, especially compared to something like Metal Gear Solid Four. And and his suspicion, and this is a very valid suspicion, I think, uh, is that Kiefer Sutherland is probably a very expensive voice actor, and that maybe Konami didn't give Kojima that kind of access that he would want from, you know, the main character and all that stuff, and, and that maybe there's a, just a deficit of voice work. For Snake, uh, there's also uh, there's also suspicion that, and this isn't he doesn't mention this. I don't think I don't think this is likely, but I I've, I'm becoming a little bit of a truther when it comes to <laughs> the uh, rumor or conspiracy theory or whatever that David Hayter actually is going to be in Metal Gear Solid Five, and that this whole Kiefer Sutherland thing is this big prank that Kojima is I mean if, if anyone if anyone were to do it it would be Kojima for sure um that Keeper Sutherland's going to have lines in the game but that there's going to be some sort of weird thing where David Hayter comes back as Snake like maybe there's a fake Snake or something and a lot of this has to do with the original gameplay trailer that before it was actually known that it was a Metal Gear Solid game the one in the hospital uh You've got it's from the perspective of Snake waking up in, from a coma in a hospital. He's being woken up by this character whose face is, you know, surrounded in bandages, which obviously that's someone that we would recognize if their face weren't covered in bandages, otherwise they wouldn't do it. And people have kind of like extracted the audio and determined that it's Kiefer Sutherland's voice as the other character. And so they're and and Snake never talks. And so there's this weird theory that some maybe like the Kiefer Sutherland snake is almost like a figment of the actual snake's imagination or that there's you know who knows when it comes to Metal Gear Solid you you never know what <laughs> what it could be like maybe just clones and whatever like it could be anything uh but that I just it would be really surprising to me if 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 they got Kiefer Sutherland to be the main voice of Metal Gear Solid and couldn't afford 
to pay him enough to actually voice the main character and and had to work around that in a really weird way. I it's just really weird. I'm I don't know. I'm starting to think that maybe and and David Hayter's come out multiple times and said no 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 I have no involvement with Metal Gear Solid Five, but that's exactly what he would say, you know. So we'll see. I would love for that to be true. It would be incredible. I mean, I don't mind Kiefer Sutherland Snake, honestly. But if if there were to be some crazy switcheroo that Kojima was pulling, oh my god, that'd be awesome. There's going to be something. There's going to be some big surprise, because there always is. But who knows. Um, also, Kojima, speaking of Kojima, has tweeted recently a couple of pictures of him with George Miller, director of the new Mad Max, of, of every Mad Max film, um, which probably means nothing. But what if it does mean something? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, so let's get to the Witcher 3 thing. Uh, this, okay. This has been talked about a lot. The whole, we even talked about it on the podcast. The Witcher 3's big controversy involving sexism and race and just for some reason it has become one of the chosen targets for that kind of shit uh which i don't think it deserves at all uh because it's one of the best written games i've ever played um but maybe that's part of the reason people criticize it chose to criticize it is because when it comes to games that's as close as you can get to an actual you know good piece of (laughs) literature uh to criticize but Anyway, I've been playing more of The Witcher 3, so I've gotten more uh, experience with it to to see where some of those arguments were coming from or weren't coming from. Uh, as far as sexism goes, I think it handles the subject very well in the writing of the game. But there is no denying that pretty much, basically, if a, if a female is a main character in that game, she's showing serious cleavage. Uh, this is a trend that is, it is frankly distracting. Uh, not from a male gaze perspective, but from a like, it's so noticeable, and it's so there's no explanation for it, and there's no reason for it. Um, it's just really weird. I, I I don't like that. Also, it seems like every female character that's like a major character in The Witcher's life is just strangely attracted to him in a in an unrealistic way. It feels like. Like, everyone has a romance option. Although, I mean, I'm not far enough to explore any of those options, or maybe I've chosen not to. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of branching, you know, things in that game, so who knows. But it, that is that is a valid complaint against the game. I don't... I wouldn't call the game sexist or anything. I just think it's annoying. Uh, I never really like that shit in movies or games where it's just, like, blatant skin. I, I think it's annoying. Uh, it's distracting. It's only only when it is out of context. Like, I mean, if they're a whore or something in the game, then sure. But these are just people who, for whatever reason, are showing their nipples. And there's just whatever. I, I, I don't care about that at all. I'm just saying, in retrospect, some th- that particular argument is valid, I think. Um, although when it actual, actually comes to the issues of gender in the game world... The, the writing is good. It, there's some interesting stuff, and I haven't gotten to a lot of it that I've heard about. But, like, it, it seems like female characters are treated uh, very fairly in the, in the writing of the game. So that's not a valid criticism. But what gets me, and I think what gets the rest of the internet, too, because I've heard a lot, a lot of people talking about this, is, is this constant... Not constant. It, there's just this... A few people who have decided that... The Witcher needs black people in it. Uh, that it's an entirely white game and that that is bad. Um, and so I'll get through, I'll get, I'll just really quickly, I'll tell you basically the argument that people are using against that, which is completely like you can't, once you hear this argument, there's no way that you can argue that race is an issue. In this game, uh, this argue this argument makes too much sense to argue against, uh, and yet they still try. So here's the argument, the counter argument rather. Uh, 
there's not black people in The Witcher 3 because there weren't black people in that era in Poland. Like, there were practically no black people. It's Poland. And okay, and then and then, so you get people trying to say, well, it's a fantasy game, and therefore they should add black people because it's fantasy, and you know it won't hurt the 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 world of the game because uh, it's it's fantasy. So therefore, black people could exist as, I guess, fantastical, a fantastical race of humans or something. I. Anyway, I I it's it is a really really obvious and classic example of kind of a god what would you call it a nationalistic oh, there is a word for it that I'm looking for and I can't think of it but it's 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 projecting your perspective as an american on other cultures and in this case it is egregious uh because you get these american uh writers criticizing a polish work for not representing black people in the way that an american work should or would which it just doesn't make sense it's like it's like looking at a japanese game and saying there there aren't enough white people or black people or indian people by the way, why do Indian people never get represented and nobody cares? I don't f- fuck that. Whatever. We I won't I won't go into that. But like there's so many other races other than black people, but because these are American commentators, that's why they focus on the black race not being represented in these games even though these games in the setting it wouldn't make sense for black people to exist. Uh and if they were to put black characters in the game, it would be as distracting as the tits popping out of the the woman's dress uh just because it's like wait there's a black guy here how did he get here like where where are the where's the black race from in the in the world of the witcher or i think dragon age had black people and and it's like is there a continent in the world that has like like in in the elder scrolls the the redorans not redorans um what are they called the uh Fuck, this must be so frustrating to listen to. Uh, oh, fuck. What are they called? Anyway, they're from they're from a different part of the world. And therefore they are a different race of people. And it makes sense. And uh, and they're my favorite race, actually, in, in that world. I like them a lot. I always play as them. But anyway, um, it, it just doesn't make sense. And it is... It is it is the definition of tokenism. Like, you need to add black black characters in your game because there needs to be black representation in your game. That that's it. That's why you need black characters. And and it's this idea that, for whatever reason, video games need to have diversity and representation and all of this shit that these that these writers care about, uh, because it'll advance our society somehow. Because because having black people in The Witcher is going to open our minds to black culture, or I don't know, like what is the argument? Like why do you need black people in the game? Why? If there weren't black people in Grand Theft Auto Five, that would be ridiculous and 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 very very probably completely racist. <laughs> because in real life, L.A., there's black people. They exist. In, in large numbers, and so it makes sense to put them in the game. Uh, but in the case of The Witcher 3, why why focus on the... Like, why? It, it just... It, I'm probably preaching to the choir, so I, I shouldn't go on and on about it. But but the reason that it's, it's, it's bugging me is because uh, Giant Bomb, which is a site that I like a lot, I get a lot of my video game information from them. Uh... <clears throat> I've mentioned them before on the podcast. They recently got a new... Well, they recently lost a member, uh, Patrick Klepek, who was kind of like their resident social justice warrior. I mean, there's literally no other way to, to describe him because he was very... I would argue that he's actually a little bit obsessed with this kind of thing, representation in video games and writing about that stuff. And and he's, and he has explicitly stated, at least he's honest about it, he has explicitly stated that it is his goal to uh you know 
increase awareness of diversity and whatever, all that bullshit. Uh, and so he went to Kotaku, of course, and, and he, now he's writing garbage articles for Kotaku and clickbait headlines and all that stuff. And I feel kind of bad for him because I actually kind of like him. Like, as a person, he seems he seems nice and fun to hang out with. But as a writer, god damn it. Uh, annoys the shit out of me. So he's been replaced, basically, with what amounts to a uh, a version of him who is better at writing. <laughs> His name's Austin Walker. I've actually had some interactions with him on Twitter. He, he wanted... I had interactions with him on Twitter because he wanted to... Uh, he was arguing that Battlefield Hardline um, wasn't making enough of a statement about police brutality in the U.S. or some bullshit like that, and and he thought that uh, that the developer that the developers that the writers of the game wanted to do more with the game, but they were held back by the publisher or something. And the whole time I'm reading this article that he wrote about it, it's like it, this is this is a Battlefield game we're talking about. Why? Like, that, if I'm the publisher, I, I'm going to tell the writers, like, no, you don't need to, <laughs> don't make this game too real. Uh, <laughs> this is a game where people want to just shoot people. Like, this is, that's Battlefield. Uh, we're not trying to make any statements here. I, I, I'm completely in defense of EA in that, in that, in that situation, because, like, that's the last thing you want is people to be like, oh my god, Battlefield Hardline. Like, what if you do tackle those issues and you get it wrong? Then you, like, I think Witcher 3 doesn't do that, but I think that's the reason Witcher 3 has caught so much flack is because it does such a good job at at writing that people feel like it's more open to criticism. And so if Battlefield tries to make a statement and they don't do it in the right way or in the perspective of the writers who are writing about it in the right way, then uh, they'll just get shit on and, and cause a controversy that they don't want. So of course they don't want to do that, and it's it's Battlefield. It's a Battlefield game. Why do you, why does that need to be uh, some kind of progressive statement? Why do you why does that need to be in a Battlefield game? Do you do that in your in your indie games and stuff that that actually like have that as a goal and a focus? Not Battlefield. Leave Battlefield alone. Just it's a game where you shoot people. It doesn't need to be. It shouldn't be any kind of uh progressive statement that's not that is not that is not the medium that you want to do that through because it's an it's an inherent there's a dissonance there between shooting swarms of people and making some sort of statement about it like it unless unless it's some kind of unless it's like hotline miami style where it's like why are you shooting all these people or like or like uh what was it the uh uh spec ops the line you know where it's making a statement on what you're doing as a player battlefield that's not battlefield's thing they shouldn't do that it it was i i just think it was completely ridiculous but he he was arguing with me about it on twitter he was very civil i mean i like the guy i really do i just hate his opinions uh he, he so he's he is their newest addition and he's already written about witcher 3 and race and def- and and tried to defend his argument against just what I've seen is through the comment sections swarms of people saying no this doesn't make any sense because this is rep- a representation of Poland and even in modern day Poland there's only four percent of a black population and that's that's modern Poland where you've had a ton of 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 immigration and stuff you go back a few hundred years it's going to be a very different story um I. It's just he's a really, really good writer. That's the thing. Like he, he also wrote a, a a small piece on Grand Theft Auto Five and and its and its issues. I put that in quotation marks uh, about race and sexuality and stuff. Which, God, this pissed me off. In one of his in one of his recent little blog posts about The Witcher, he mentioned Grand Theft Auto, or he he implied that it was Grand Theft Auto he was talking about. I guess he said. Uh, some he he was criticizing people who criticized him for criticizing games, <laughs> um, and he said, uh, you know, games shouldn't be excused for sexism or whatever, uh, just because they're quote unquote satire. Yes, they should. 
It's satire. That's what satire does. You, like, do you not even understand the basic? You should because you're a very good writer. You've clearly you're clearly well educated. I think he's actually getting a doctorate in some kind of like, I don't know. But he's 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 the kind of person who should understand what satire does and what satire is, and that yes, satire actually is. If it is satire, <laughs> if it's a satire of sexism, you cannot criticize it for being sexist. Except through the lens that it is already satire. I, I, ugh. It just drives me crazy. God damn it, I'm spending too much time on this stupid little podcast about that, probably. I don't know. Again, I'm preaching in the choir. But I'm I'm sad that that kind of thing is... is being given a voice on a website that... part of the reason I like them is because they don't bother with all this games in a cultural context bullshit that I'm tired of when it comes to game writing. Like, games journalists have this idea that they need to to move games forward as a as a as an art form and that games need to represent life and that games uh, should always be trying to somehow progress society. Why? Why do they need why why like they're 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 basically toys for adults and for children <laughs> just you have chosen a career in which you're writing about toys for adults. you need to accept that <laughs> you you can't you you're not gonna change it you're not gonna make it you're not gonna make games suddenly respected. Especially not by calling out every game that is, in your opinion, sexist or racist. Uh, because to the vast majority of people, A, they don't care, and B, they think, wait a minute, why is this guy, why is this guy, they're judging you. They're, they're judging you for being completely ridiculous about, about toys for adults. And, and 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 you know I'm one of the I'm one of the first people that's going to say like yes games can be art and 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 some games definitely are art like Hotline Miami and Papers Please, but that doesn't that doesn't mean that every game needs to be uh, set to that same artistic stand standard and 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 also an artistic standard does not necessarily correlate with uh, diversity. And and representation and all this bullshit. <sighs> Forgive me for going on and on about that. I still haven't even gotten to the emails, and I'm already. I thought this was going to be like a 20 minute thing. I guess it's going to be much longer. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Toby sent me an email. Uh, he asked, <clears throat> "I haven't even really talked about E3." He asked, "What's your most anticipated thing at E3? Uh, what do you hope to see?" Uh, and what's going to be on your drinking game? And he asked about Metal Gear Solid Five, but I already talked about that. Um, I think my most anticipated thing that I already know is going to be at E3 is ah, I haven't actually given it that much thought. Probably Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, just because I'm at this point like not only am I really looking forward to the game, but I'm also fascinated by this whole voice actor thing with Kiefer Sutherland. I I feel like there is an angle somewhere, and and I'm gonna be really interested to see if if I'm right about that. Um, and what do I hope to see at E3 that I don't know will be but the Last Guardian? That that I, that should be what everyone hopes to see at E3. Honestly, I doubt it's going to be there. Uh, there's there's big rumors. Like, in fact, like I bet if I researched far enough, there there might actually be solid evidence that that the Last Guardian is going to be at E3. Uh, for some reason, I still have my doubts. I guess that has something to do with for like the last five years. Everyone has said every year, "Hey, the last Guardian is going to be at E3," and then it wasn't. So, <laughs> so why this year? Uh, well, I can tell you why because apparently they are working on it. There is evidence of that, but somehow I doubt it's going to be there. But that is what I hope to see. Yeah. Uh, and what's going to be on the drinking game? Uh, I don't know. I might not bother to do a drinking game. The thing about E3 is that over the last couple years, they've toned down the absurdity of it all <laughs> they uh it's gotten less 
fun to watch from, from, I don't want to say less, it's still a lot of fun to watch and make fun of and everything, but there's less just completely ridiculous shit, like bringing celebrities out on stage who have no idea what they're talking about, all that crazy stuff. Uh, it's almost a little disappointing that they've toned down on that stuff, uh, because that's that was the most fun thing about it. You can still make fun of the video games, I guess, but... Yeah, we'll see. Maybe maybe someone will decide to, uh, for nostalgia's sake, go back to that ridiculous shit. But I don't know. I might not bother with a drinking game. I said earlier on Twitter that uh, a few days ago I said that you should take two shots every time there's an HD remake or a franchise collection announced, which there will be many, I guarantee you. So you can do that. <laughs> That'll get you drunk. I promise. Uh, Robert asks, uh, what games are you looking forward to this year? Uh, well, Metal Gear Solid 5, obviously. Not a whole lot else. Oh, you know what? Shit. I might change my answer to the, uh, the last one. Instead of The Last Guardian, I would, I would pay a lot of money for Red Dead Redemption 2 to be a thing at E3. Oh my god. I will, I will flip my shit. If that's announced, I, there's no, I don't think there's any rumors about it right now, but I want it. I want that to happen so bad. I would take that over the last guardian because, because who knows what the last guardian is at this point, you know, but red dead redemption two is like guaranteed to be awesome. Uh, so yeah, that, uh, who will win E3? I, I've always thought that's kind of a silly, a silly thing to ask. Um, I don't know. From my perspective, I think usually I'm most impressed. I hate to say this. I think I'm most impressed usually with the Ubisoft press conference, even though in, in a lot of ways it's 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 usually, the first of all, the most embarrassing, and secondly, uh, the most disappointing as, as far as, like, when the games actually come out. They, they always disappoint, like Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed and all that. Uh but they usually do a really good job of hyping up their games at E3. Uh, it helps when they drastically, drastically over uh, overhype the, the graphics of their games, and then and then and then lower the graphics significantly when the games actually come out, so that they'll run on current gen consoles. Uh, so their games always look much better than they actually are. Good for great job, Ubisoft is disgusting when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, what do you think will be the first next-gen console you'll buy? That, that's, I don't know if I will buy a next-gen console. I mean, I assume you're talking about current-gen. What is current-gen, Xbox One and all those? If I were to buy one, it would probably be the PlayStation 4, almost solely for, like, Bloodborne, and because it seems like the best console for various tiny reasons. Uh, it's also cheaper than Xbox One, at least. It it definitely wouldn't be Xbox One. It, it, we use. I've just never been a big Nintendo guy. But they do have they do have Smash and they do have Mario Kart and Bayonetta two and Splatoon. I I changed my answer. Wii U. It's cheap and it's got a lot of good games on it. I, I'm not a fan at all of its gimmick, but as far as games go, it, it's got the games. Uh, and ironically, I think it's the worst-selling console. I actually think they're going to announce a new con- console pretty quickly. Uh, it'll probably be a mobile thing, or like a combination of mobile and and console. Uh, I don't know. They're gonna they're gonna throw something really weird out in the next year or two. Uh, and uh, let's see. What would you say? Video games are closer to tools than art. I should explain my point of view. Generally speaking, video games aim to test a skill usually dexterity. As such, they can be viewed as tools for teaching dexterity. Sports often fall in the same category. Obviously, they're both tools and art, which I, I I know what you're talking about, and I think tools is the wrong word. Um, although, in, in, in your defense, I think it's hard to find a good word for it. Um, but what you're saying is, are video games, to be a video game, are they more like something that teaches you a skill? I think I think it's Matthew Matosis. I think he had a a video where he argues that video games are something that 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 teaches a skill in some way, um, and I, and that's kind of Roger Ebert's argument 
against games being art is that there's an objective and therefore it is an art because art doesn't have doesn't expect anything from the person viewing it, it the, the person viewing it doesn't need to accomplish anything to appreciate art i think that's a really weird thing uh to argue and and obviously when it comes to our games art that's completely it's pretty much comes down to uh to uh semantics but the idea of whether games need to teach you a skill or not i think is really interesting because i'm trying to think of any games that i've enjoyed that haven't had some sort of challenge or skill involved and i don't think they exist and i don't even know if it's possible to create a game that doesn't have some sort of challenge or skill um even really really open-ended and simple games um even like minecraft and stuff you have to learn the game you have to you slowly learn what you can craft and how to, you know, do things. Um, journey. You, you, there's still platforming. There's still objectives. I don't know. I think that's a... It's an interesting thing to think about, but there's not really any answer beyond semantics. So I won't go into it. But interesting question. Thank you. Uh, that was... That was... Joe or Robert? That was Robert. Next one's Joe. Joe asks, do you plan on branching out or upping the production values for the podcast, inviting more guests or having reg- more regular members or hosts or host? I'm not complaining. I like the podcast. Just curious. Um, yes, I plan on, we, we, we would definitely like to have more guests and I've been thinking a lot about some guests, but coming up to E3, I didn't want to bring a guest on the podcast that is mostly spent talking about just E3. Like, that's not something... That's not a good environment to bring on a guest because you really want the guest to, to have some room to talk about themselves or whatever they're doing or whatever. Um, so I think I think you should you should expect some guests after, after E3. I don't know how soon. I don't know who. I have some ideas in my mind. I have no idea if they're interested. I haven't asked anyone. Um, and I don't know if it'll be anyone you'll recognize or if it'll just be, like, some of our buddies... It'll probably be both, um, but yeah, guests are fun. Mark having Mark Seb on was fun. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as the production values, I, I don't know. I, I'm, we're both busy people. He, uh, Michael's in school. I'm. I've got work. <laughs> I've got a life. I'm usually away for the weekends, uh, so it's hard to spend a lot of time. Like we gave up on trying to create sti- timestamps and stuff for the podcast. We we did that for a little while, and it just became so tedious having to go through and find the timestamps and everything. And I, and who knows who how many people were actually using them? I know a couple people were, but is it worth it having to? You know, it would take you know ten or fifteen minutes going through there and finding the timestamps and stuff, which is just every week doing that uh, and and having very little return on it is is not a very satisfying thing. So. As of now, we, we keep it very simple. We create a cover image. Uh, I've discovered now that I can put the cover image on the thumbnail, so I've been, I'm doing that now. But, like, beyond that, I don't know. I, I would almost like to just... Like, I'm doing this audio only instead of doing my, my face, and I think it makes me more comfortable. Um, when I can see myself being recorded as far as, like, my face, it, it, I feel less comfortable. I feel less at ease. Um... I, I I don't know. I haven't really talked to Mike about it, but yeah, there'll be changes and stuff, but I I don't know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect anything crazy. Um, we're just really enjoying what we're doing right now, or at least I am. Uh, it's a lot of fun to have an excuse to talk about stuff you like <laughs> with someone who shares your interest, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I Even if nobody listened to the podcast, we'd, we would probably still do it just because it's fun. Uh, we kind of did it anyway. That's kind of the idea that we got for the podcast originally was... <laughs> We we were talking in a way that like we at one point Mike just said like, hey if we were making a podcast right now it would actually be pretty fun to listen to and and I agreed and so we actually made a podcast instead, um, so thank you Joe, uh, and uh, and I'm glad you said you liked the podcast I we don't get a ton of feedback but it seems like there actually are people listening to this thing which is surprising and humbling, so uh, Eric asked a question uh, he asked. Just the other day, the embargo that was put on people who went to the showing of MGS5 was lifted. Already answered your question, Eric. Sorry. But not sorry, because you got your answer. Thank you anyway, Eric. Uh, Carrie. Carrie asks, 
in terms of storyline and game mechanics? What do you think has been overdone, and what would you like to see more of? Sorry if my question sucked. It did not suck. I think that's a great question. Um, it, I think I think you would kind of have to apply this question to a specific genre, or I mean, it really just comes down to my personal preference, and that's what that's what the question asks. So I don't even know why I said that, but but uh, I like. I tend to value story in certain games a lot more than gameplay to the point where I don't care that much if the game is fun or not. Or that's what I say, but it isn't necessarily true. Like The Witcher 3, for example. The I would never play The Witcher 3 for the gameplay. It, it isn't anywhere near good enough to, to play just for gameplay. Um, unlike Dark Souls, which I would play just for the gameplay because it's fun. It's challenging in a way that's fun, <laughs> unlike Witcher, which is challenging in a way that I don't think is, I don't think it's so frustrating to quit or anything, but it's not fun. Um, but, but if you take the gameplay away from the Witcher, even if it's not particularly great gameplay, I would get bored just going from person to person and, and learning, you know, doing the quests and, and learning about the characters in the world. I think it's a very interesting world. I think it's a very well-written game, but it's, I mean, it's not on the level of like, you know, like if if I just want to if I just want to watch people talk and stuff, I would I can watch Game of Thrones. You know, it have much better production and much. It's made for that, uh, so therefore, I mean, inherently, it's going to be better. Usually, <laughs> not 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 inherently, but um, so I I do think that like The Witcher has a good combination there, and and obviously the focus for them isn't gameplay. But you take away the gameplay, and it's nothing. It, it's not worth playing, in my opinion. Um, so I think, as far as like taking that as an example, I think that's a good balance that they've struck, where they have a focus on story. Um, it's certainly like it, it. They spend a ton of time on the story. Uh, there's it would be hard to spend more time on the story, but they didn't spend all that much time on the gameplay, and I don't feel like that actually hurts the game that much. Uh, Obviously, it would be a better game if the gameplay was better, objectively. Uh, but if that meant taking people away from, you know, focusing on the story stuff, you know, on doing facial animations and stuff like that to work on the gameplay, that probably wouldn't have been a very good allocation of resources. Um, the, I think the way they allocated their resources was perfect. <laughs> like, they did a very good job. And recently they patched it to fix those movement mechanics that i was complaining about last podcast uh it's it's much better now uh in terms of just like trying to move around small spaces and stuff they they patched it i don't know exactly what they changed but it's it's much better um so yeah that's a hard question to, to answer because I, yeah you you have to apply it to certain games and stuff like i think i think fallout does not have a very good ratio there i think their gameplay is not fun at all and I don't think their story is good enough to forgive that. Uh, yeah, I, but but I'm the kind of person who played Call of Duty 4 and Modern Warfare 2 mainly for the main storyline. I really enjoyed those little six-hour campaigns they put out. I thought they were fantastic. Um, and I was super disappointed. I think Black Ops is a, not a good game at all solely because I was so disappointed in the single-player which most of my friends didn't even bother with. So they, you know, they all like Black Ops, but I I I didn't like it at all because uh, just because of the I didn't like the uh the campaign. Uh it didn't have like the the music and stuff that the it was just it just wasn't what I was looking for. So I I don't know. My perspective on that stuff's probably pretty twisted. I also I also love the Halo story and world, which is something that a lot of people criticize as just being a space marine thing. Uh, I like it a lot. I think it's great. So I don't know. I have a really weird. I'm weird about that. Um, <clears throat> Twiton, Twiton, Twiton. Uh, he had, he was the first to answer a question, but he did it on Twitter instead of email, and then I and then I complained to him about it, so he sent an email. <laughs> so thank you, Twiton. Uh, he asked if 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 2015 is a better year for video games than 2014. That was his original question. Um. First of all, we're only halfway through 2015, so it's almost impossible to say. But also, I think 2014 is 
potentially the worst year in video games of the last decade? Just with the amount of games that didn't work when they came out, and the amount of disappointments, and... God, I mean, you had Watch Dogs, and just... Like, go watch my year year in review of 2014, and it's pretty dismal. I was trying my best to find games that I liked in that year in review, and it just didn't come to me. Um, and already 2015 has The Witcher 3, and... Uh, oh, by the way, Project Cars. I tried playing that again. It still has some weird glitches that are really terrible. But there was something about me streaming that game that was making it play differently and and have problems that I wasn't having when I wasn't streaming it. So forget what I said about Project Cars. It, it might be okay. I, I haven't made a I haven't made a decision yet. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, 2015 is already a better year in video games than 2014. But I don't think that's saying all that much. I mean, we're also going to get Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, I think that's an easy answer, 2015, even just halfway through. But but again, it's not saying much. Um, he asked some other questions. He asked six questions. I mean, should I, should I devote all my time to this guy? Yes, I should. Number two question. Uh, would a game like Arma work on a console fan base? Would Mars working with Arma to include mod content like Wasteland and Battle Royale make this work? First of all, no. Uh, Arma, like Arma as a game, no, it wouldn't work with a console fan base at all. I don't think they've tried. That those actual developers, I think they made Operation Flashpoint. It was at least on that engine. I don't think it sold at all. I I don't think anyone played it because that's not that's not the kind of game you want from a console. It's it's slow pace. Uh, there's a lot of micromanagement. There's a lot of like, you need a keyboard to play that game because there's so many controls. Um, but mod content like Wasteland and like Battle Royale, you could turn those concepts into really awesome games that would that would work fine on a console, I think. Uh it's just that in their current in the game that they're in, and in the, in the in the style of game they're in, it doesn't work on a console. It people have tried to make it work on a console. I think uh a lot of those terrible like DayZ ripoffs and stuff, a lot of those came out on console, I think. But they're just not good games. They're just not made well. <laughs> so if someone were to actually make a good version, yeah, I think those would work fine. Um, but it is hard on a console. You have to consolify it. You have to change the control scheme to a really simple one and kind of, I hate to use the word dumb down, but yeah, you have to dumb down the game for, for a console audience. Like, Not that the console audience is dumb, but they tend to not to have the kind of time and dedication that a PC player does, and they're not as close to the screen, they're not as focused. You just you need a simpler game for a console, just because that's that the audience wants a simpler game. Um, E3 predictions, you know that. Opinion on hatred is a parody. Uh, we, we talked about this last podcast. Go look at the last podcast for an answer to this question in detail. But basically, I think it's self-aware. I don't think it's a parody. I don't think it's a satire. I don't think it's making any statements. I just think it's a self-aware. Uh, not very good game where the developers were just kind of having fun making a stupid thing. That's it. Uh, and does violence in video games shock you anymore? It never did. Uh, it's always been really stupid and and not shocking at all. Uh, the closest to violence in video games has gotten to shocking me is that horror game that came out not long ago where the guy chops your dick off. Or he's about to chop your dick off and then he doesn't. But, like, obviously, that's going to shock a guy. <laughs> Um, has Steam refunds made you more confident about buying games as a console user I find the idea of refunds would be great on console your opinion in general I, we talked about this last podcast too I, well we didn't really talk about if it makes you more confident buying them it, yes obviously it makes me more I mean, it makes me more confident it's almost like a demo as far as how Steam has presented it it's pretty much no questions asked so you can kind of use it as a demo you can play less than two hours and say like I just don't like this game um I think it's an awesome, awesome idea, and I, I think it's consumer-friendly, and I think it's, in some ways, it it could increase sales um, for good games that people try out and actually play. Uh, there's going to be a lot of developers who are angry about it because their games aren't very good, and therefore, 
that two hour representation is going to be, is going to turn people away. Um, or maybe some games have a really, really rough beginning, you know, maybe the first two hours aren't very good. And then the rest of the game is. And so people stop playing it before it gets any good. But I, I don't know. People are going to be mad about it because, Hey, demos just aren't a thing anymore, you know? And that's why, because people get that representation of the game, and if the game isn't very good, they don't buy it. So now there's just no demos, because nobody's actually confident in the product they're putting out, which is depressing, but that's a whole other thing. Um, yes, it's it's consumer-friendly, it makes me, me more confident in buying games, and I don't think that people's concerns about it being used almost like piracy with short games is is much of a legitimate concern, because I think if people want to pirate games they'll pirate games it doesn't like the steam refund doesn't make it any easier than just torrenting them uh especially with the smaller games that usually don't have drm and stuff so that's i don't think that that's an issue um but yeah i'm 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 stoked about that uh, and then you ask about recent outrage which i went over so thank you tweetan for all your questions uh and christian Christian, a.k.a. Bananas, has asked me, why do you hate video games? I think I explained that very well in the last hour or so. Um, and there you go. Those are all my uh, email questions. Let me check Twitter real quick to see, uh, see if I got any questions on there. Uh... Oh, yeah, Taconic. Uh, Taconic is a guy I follow on Twitter who I like a lot. He... Uh, he is in Shaktac. I like Shaktac's videos a lot. I like what they do. Um, anyway, Taconic asked some questions that maybe aren't the most... Uh, this will be a good way to end the podcast. These questions aren't necessarily, I think... Um, I, I don't think maybe he actually is expecting an answer to them, but I'm going to give them anyway. First question, do you find Witcher 3 problematic? Um, I answered this, and... The answer is yes. I think uh, I think it's horribly problematic, and we should get rid of it. Uh, in much the same way, I see characters in The Witcher Three burning books and and hunting witches. I think we should burn the video games and hunt the developers. That's the great irony of it all, isn't it? That that in many ways the Witcher Witcher is actually portraying the. Uh, the kind of thing that's happening <laughs> to the developers by these critics that <laughs> they're being witch hunted anyway um and do i miss patrick klepik's amazing insights funny enough i answered that too and the answer is no i don't think patrick klepik had any good insights on video games i mean again i liked the guy he seems nice but his opinions are terrible and there's nothing he can do about that, except make them better, I guess. But Or go to Kotaku, where everyone else's opinions are terrible, too. And therefore, you can get away with writing gobshite. That's a good word, right? That's, that's a British thing that people say. And his last question is, where where are my keys? Um, I'm afraid you're going to have to work that one out for yourself, Taconic. All right, everyone. Jesus Christ. That was an hour. Um, I hope you enjoyed this silly thing. I hope I did a good job talking to myself, which is a hard thing to do, turns out. Uh, God, I've gained a lot of respect for people who just make their own podcasts where they just talk. That's not easy. I I might try it again, though. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do more of these. Um, it certainly wouldn't be in lieu of the normal, uh, podcast, at least for now. I mean, my... My long-term plan is to slowly push Brutalcom Powder out of the picture and make the entire site about me. Uh, but that's that's a slow burn thing, you know. That's a, that's we we can't we can't just jump right into that, you know. Anyway, I hope everyone uh I hope everyone has a good I guess Wednesday. This is a Wednesday. I'll upload it tonight. And. uh Tune in. We have we don't have any specific plans with what we're going to be doing for E3, but we'll definitely be doing some fun stuff with E3. Uh, 
even if it's just podcasts talking about predictions and thoughts after after the show um and maybe for a couple of them we'll do a live commentary would people watch that comment comment on the page that this is posted on if you would watch commentary if you would listen to our commentary while watching e3 because i don't know if i would i might would do that i think giant bomb does a does a commentary over the conferences and i would probably listen to them but not if i was doing my own commentary obviously so yeah i want to i want to know if there's any interest in that um because that could be a fun thing to do in fact even if there isn't interest in that we'd probably do it anyway at least on the ones that aren't like during work hours that's the problem with e3 they do it like in the middle of the day, which isn't very convenient for anyone on a work day. I understand why they do it, but still. But there's some of the podcasts, I mean, there's some of the shows that I'd be able to, uh, to commentate live over. So anyway, expect some of that. Uh, there's been some videos that I've wanted to do, but I don't really have the time to do them in this short notice. And, and I also don't have any clear idea of what I would do. So maybe not. Don't get your hopes up for that. All right, so this has been, I'm going to call this Push to Shout podcast, episode 32.5, the Skippy edition. My name is Skippy. I hope you have a wonderful half week until next time you hear us. Uh, Good night and good luck.